What is going on, comic book movie fans? My name is Jonathan, and today I have the honor and privilege of being joined by the people's champion and a Jack Black impersonator, Mr. Dan. What's going on? Not much, man. How's it going? Not a whole lot, guys. So to be here, man. Today we we have all went to the theaters, went out and saw Ant Man: Quantum Mania. For better or for worse. And it's really interesting to me that this film is very divided among the fan base and among the critics. It's got like a 53% rating on Rotten Tomatoes right now, I believe, somewhere in that ballpark. That's one of the lowest MCU films ever. And I'll start out by saying that I personally don't think that that's well-deserved at all. I had a good enough time with this film. It was wacky. It was very different than the first two Ant-Man films, yes, but so was Civil War from the first two Captain America films. So was Thor Ragnarok from the first two Thor films. I do not mind when they kind of venture off and, and go into new territory in these third installments in these franchises. I personally enjoyed the film. I didn't love it. It's not one of the greatest superhero movies of all time. But I had a good time with it. And so did my wife. What do you guys think? Now that I've had a couple days to digest it, I think my overall feeling is that uh, it was good, not great. I, I liked it. I didn't love it. Slightly more on the positive than the negative scale, which I think is a little different than what I had had for the last couple MCU films. Both Love and Thunder and Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, I kind of had that slightly more negative than positive feel. It was good to kind of get, get one back in the win column. I still place it firmly in the bottom half of the MCU and that, that doesn't necessarily speak to this film as much as it speaks to the strength of the MCU overall. I just There's a lot more films that I like better than this one. Like I said, liked it, didn't love it. For the most part, I, I thought it was, a, it was a good film. I'd watch it again. Not my favorite. There's MCU films that I do like better. I don't understand the negative reviews. I really don't get it. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I felt like it's a movie that did exactly what it set out to do. It's not an Avengers tentpole. It's not Endgame. It's not even. It's not the first Avengers. It's not even Civil War. It's it's Ant Man. Ant Man is a middle tier stakes adventure. It was fun. It wasn't as funny as the other Ant Man ones. Maybe you know that one had a little bit more comedy and heists, hijinks. Those ones did. It raised the stakes actually a little bit. Oh, but, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it was fun. I enjoyed it. I feel like when you look at Marvel reviews, I didn't read any of the reviews. I saw the aggregate, and then you can always read that tagline of, of on Rotten Tomatoes where it sums it up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I feel like with Marvel movies, whether the reviews are bad or good, you know, regardless of how many stars they gave it or whether they said it was good or it was bad, they read the same. It's as if when they give it a good review, they didn't like it. And when they give it a bad review, they actually kind of liked it when you read it. You know what I'm saying? And the complaints are always the same. This wasn't its own movie. They're spending too much time trying to sell the next movie. You know, I didn't feel like I'm, but they don't understand it. We do. We get it. This is a serial storytelling medium. When you're reading superheroes, it's supposed to be serial. You're supposed to come into the middle of the story. Either he's already caught in a trap or something because you didn't read last month's issue or they just capped a storyline last issue. And he's like, oh, man, my shoulder hurts from where I saved the city last week. Man, I hope nothing happens. So it's already taking place when it starts. And then when it's over, it's not really over. The, the bad guy is defeated, but maybe he's dead. Maybe he got away, though. You're not really sure. He's leaving, you know, for now. 
and you've lived off and you know something is going to happen. And that's how a comic book works. Yeah. You know, I think movie fans don't understand that. And sometimes it just gets the better of it. And when it feels really like you're in the middle, that's when they start complaining. I feel like that could be the only thing that explains the bad reviews is it's already going when it starts, when it's over, it's not really over. So they feel like this wasn't enough of being its own thing. Yeah. But there's no concrete ending and start and finish. Yeah. I don't really understand the, the negative press either. And to be fair, Marvel does a really good job of these, this particular story. There was a lot of connections with Kang the Conqueror. There was a lot of connections with the previous Ant-Man films, the previous Avenger films. I yeah. think given all of that, they do a really good job of still trying to make this its own story. What other movie franchise can you pick up on part seven and still kind of just watch it on its own and you know respect it and understand it the way you can with a Marvel film? Like Tim said, there's already so many good Marvel movies that it's like we view these movies as lesser than, but when you compare these movies to, I don't know, birds of prey or, you know, even some other non superhero films, these are still top tier movies, but we yeah. just have so many good ones that now when they start putting out some average films and average, a lot of average D, uh, Disney plus shows yeah. that just, it starts to show more, I think. And we, we've gotten so spoiled as fans. You know, we got some uh, – another YouTuber that I watched, John Campia, pointed this out a few days ago. But for a five-year period, we got nothing but banger after banger after banger. Even Age of Ultron is better than we all remember it. I went back and watched that recently. Still a really solid film. It's not – the. it's not. It's by far the worst Avengers film, but the other three are amazing, mind-blowing films. I think that's what it is. And and maybe some people might refer to this as superhero fatigue. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But I think that that's kind of why maybe that it's getting these negative reviews. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of reasons for for why they're getting negative reviews. I'll go through some things that I liked and then some things that I didn't like and that might kind of explain a little bit why people did not care for the film first of all uh jonathan majors was fantastic i think we all can agree yeah. on that the one thing about this film that i think people need to remember is that th this film was not supposed to be like dan said this is ant-man it, it was not supposed to be the banner carrying film for the mcu it was not supposed to be you know anything that was going to win an academy award the purpose of this film the goal of this film was to properly introduce Kang. So mission accomplished. Okay. Uh, he, he did a fantastic job. Um, I think we all got a very sinister feel from him. We all know exactly what the next Marvel, he, they've set him up to be a Marvel big bad now for the next decade, which is awesome. This is what happens when, when you have that entrance of Darth Vader walking through and, and you just know at, at the next moment, you're like every film I see this guy in from now on, I know what he's all about. That's exactly the same feel you got from Kang here. And it didn't have to be an earth-shattering film to accomplish its goal. So mission accomplished on that. I agree 110%. I think that it totally did its job of introducing us to Kang. Jonathan Majors did a fantastic job. It's also really fascinating, you know, because the Kang that we got in Loki was a completely different Kang. It was not Kang the Conqueror. I think personally, and people have their own theories about this, but you know, he was excommunicated by the other Kangs. Do we possibly feel like this Kang might've been a slightly redeemable version of Kang? And maybe that's why he was exiled by the other <coughs> Kangs, the council of Kangs that we saw at the end of the film. 
Yeah, there's a lot of reasons, right? He he could have been exiled because he was too extreme. He could have been exiled because he was the weakest. Think about that. Exactly. I mean, you know, My wife was so. like, Ant-Man and, and the Wasp beat the big bad. And I was like, no, 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 no. This is not the Kang you will see yeah. in the in Avengers Kang Dynasty. This is mm -hmm. probably the weakest, like you said. My son had that reaction of like, well, you know, Kang got beat by just Ant-Man by himself. That That's, you know, it's a nerfed <laughs> Kang. But I felt like, like, was he really beat? You know what I'm saying? Because it's at the end, they throw him into the pen particles and he gets smaller, but he's, he, they were already small. And, you know, it's pretty well, you could get infinitely small in an Ant-Man movie, I guess. You're already in the quantum realm. You could get smaller than that. So is he dead? Is he gone? Or is he just small for a while and now he'll get big? I thought from a design aspect, from just like the way he looked, that was the most Kang of all the Kangs that we got. You know, yeah. he looked like Kang more than any of the other Kangs that we saw. And they managed to make that goofy-looking comic book costume <laughs> look awesome, I thought. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the blue, uh, like the, the like a force field, you know, that, yeah. that really sold the blue face more than just like a some weird armored mask or something. I thought that was cool. But I thought maybe this guy is actually the most ruthless. Who knows? Maybe they put him away because he was too dangerous. I was yeah. the end, the tag scene where they're all in the stadium. Uh, I don't even know. I can't remember, but I say it reminded me of all the Ricks in Rick and Morty. <laughs> you know, where they have the hall of Ricks. What's that? Some of the writers or directors or whatever of Rick and Morty were involved in this project. I don't know exactly, <laughs> but you can see that in this film. Yeah. Recycling ideas, but no, I, I I really enjoyed it. I, I like this. Both of the Kangs that we've gotten so far, the in Loki and here, uh, even though they're not the same Kang, they actually give you more than the most of the comic book stories. It's like a tragic figure. Like he wants to be Kang. He wants to be a conqueror. It's not like it's tragic and that he doesn't want to do it, but he does. It's like he feels bad. He actually understands that uh, some of these things are evil, but he feels like he has to do it anyway. There, there's a tragedy to it. There's a sadness it's, in how he plays different it. than Thanos. You know, Thanos. Thanos was the the angel of mercy, where it's just like I'm I'm doing this for your own good. Kang is doing this out of compulsion, and that's almost more sinister than what we got from Thanos. I think that's just one of those. Like Dan said, it's like it's like he knows he's doing wrong. But it's, it's like he, from his own words, it's who I have to be. It just opened up a big thing for the MCU. They really kicked the door down with that one. And to open phase five with that, awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. It's like megalomaniacal from a different uh, motivation sense. It's kind of like you you get it in the comics with Doom a lot of the time, Dr. Doom, yeah. is that in their heart of hearts, they honestly believe that the best thing for everyone and all of everything is for them to be in charge. So they mm -hmm. they have to do this. Because they know so much better than everyone else. They're, they're not doing it just out of sheer greed. They're like, I, don't, you don't understand. I have to do this. I am the only one that can save everything. And if I'm not in charge, it will all fall apart. It's an interesting thing for a character. And the actor gets so much out of it. He really sells you this idea that, that I felt like in his performance that, that he's not doing this just out of sheer want to or greed he honestly feels that he has to do this and he has to do these horrible things because if he doesn't take control then it'll all spin out into chaos he 
he did refer to the other Kangs like children messing with time or, or something along mm-hmm. those lines. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, you know, there was some type of disagreement between the Kang Council and this version of Kang. I don't know. Maybe this will be this. Maybe this version will end up being the version that we see fight the Avengers. But yeah, even his chair, guys, I thought that was really cool because, okay, see, I'm not a huge comic reader like uh, Tim Mm -hmm. and Darren and and Jared and those guys, but I can remember the cartoons from back in the day and seeing Kang in that chair. It was just cool for me to see that chair in the movie. Like, I don't know, it's just one of those payoffs that you get, you know, from growing up watching the, the cartoons or reading the comics and seeing it on the screen. It's just pretty cool. As far as Bill Murray, I felt like that was just a waste of the use of Bill Murray. I guess it was kind of funny, but why go out and get somebody like Bill Murray if you're just going to have him killed off in two minutes? That was one of the things that I didn't like about the film. I, I feel like Bill Murray was probably the most wasted billing in the history of the MCU. And yeah. the reason I say that is because of this. It's not easy to get Bill Murray. I don't know. A lot of people don't know this. Bill Murray does not have an agent. He's very famous for this. He's done the exact same thing since the 1980s. He does not have an agent. What he has is he has an answering machine. And if you are interested in the role, you call and leave a message on that answering machine. And if he is interested in the role, he will call you back. So it is not easy to get Bill Murray. Okay. Clearly he had a lot of things that he dictated. I think he he only gave them a limited number of hours to shoot. If you know you're only going to have five minutes of, of screen time for, for Bill Murray, you got to make it count. And it just doesn't feel like they did. It feels like the part wasn't well written for him. It just didn't land for me. It didn't feel like a Bill Murray role for me. And I get it. He's older now. And, you know, this was probably more about selling tickets and doing a lot of that kind of stuff. But a lot of the typical Bill Murray stuff that we're used to seeing just wasn't there. The sarcastic one-liners that just make the whole crowd just die laughing. And a couple little lame lines about sleeping with Janet. But the stuff that they were talking about in the ship was funnier than the stuff that he was talking about. So I was disappointed but at the same time as we'll get to later i i actually preferred that kryler was not a huge part of the film because i felt like the balance would have been off with the villains if he had been i feel like modok and kang kind of took enough of the screen that it didn't need a third big villain in there so i understand why they did it i didn't know bill murray was in the movie going in oh really (laughs) yeah i did yeah a lot of it has, because I try to stay away from any spoilers, reading any full reviews. I'll look at a percentage on Rotten Tomatoes, but I don't want any spoilers because mm-hmm. if there's a surprise, I want to be surprised. Somehow I managed to not know. And I think it's about expectations versus reality. If you go in knowing and expecting and you build some expectations, you're disappointed. I didn't even know he was in it. So just seeing him for a minute, I thought, oh, that's cool. They got Bill Murray. And they got him to do something. And and so I didn't have the, the same reaction. And I, I did have a conversation with Tim saying that, you know, the actors and creators that we love sometimes don't love us back. And the type of things that we like, the genre stuff, they don't love us back as much as we love them. And I think Bill <laughs> Harrison Murray, Ford. <laughs> <laughs> I brought up Harrison Ford exactly today. To, 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 we were on it the other day. I said, Harrison Ford, he's the reason the hand got sucker stabbed. By Disney's whiniest princess. <laughs> he wanted to kill him in Return of the Jedi. He doesn't love Han. I don't know why. He should. His whole career is built on it. But he got Indiana Jones. He fell madly in love with Indiana Jones. And he hates Han Solo now. And, and whatever, you know. If it was up to Dan Aykroyd, I think we would have had eight Ghostbusters movies. If it was just up to him. 
Yeah. But the, the reason we only got the two and like this latest one is because Bill Murray didn't want to do it. He wants to go make Rushmore and the life aquatic thing and other like weird stuff that we may not even might not even see. That's his prerogative. And I felt like that was probably the most Bill Murray we were going to get in a Marvel movie. That's that's all he was willing to give us. I, feel I think like. that's what's a shame. It was just like it's like that. That's what it was gonna. That's what it was always gonna be. We were all just hoping we were gonna get something more. And it's just yeah. Like, well, you can only get so much with five minutes of screen time, guys. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what did you guys think about the some of the other side characters? Let's talk a little bit about stature. Let's talk a little bit about Hank Pym. What did you guys think about some of the side characters? I'll start off real quick and just say that stature. I got the vibes that it was going to be another annoying type Hawkeye character, uh, Haley Steinfeld type character from the trailers. But seeing the film, I didn't have any issues with her or the character. I thought that she worked well in the film. Uh, I, I, I mean, she was fine. She was fine. You know, it's it's another side character of a side character. It's basically like a uh, derivative character of a derivative character. But at the end of the day, she was fine. Whatever. She was cool. I thought it was cool how Hank Pym got a little bit more to do in this film. They brought him along with them on the the, the adventures that they went in the quantum realm. And at the end of the film, he basically saved the day with his army of sophisticated ants, even though that was really like explained really quickly, like just kind of like, oh, brushed it to the side. Like, yeah, these ants became super smart and uh, they just invented their own technology and, and <laughs> became smart. <laughs> I don't necessarily – I know some people are going to – I've been going back and forth with some people about whether or not Janet had too big of a role in this considering what the movie was supposed to be about. I think Michelle Pfeiffer did a good job. Uh, yeah. So I, I think that she did a good job. You can argue back and forth about whether or not the role was too big for the film and some of the consistency of the character and all that kind of stuff. But for the most part, I think she did a very good job of acting. As far as Cassie, okay, so – I'm, I'm just going to throw this out. I, I, I am absolutely done with the torch passing storylines. Okay. I, 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 going into the movie, I was up to here. I'm officially up to here with the torch passing storylines. No, I do not care about Cassie. I do not care about Kate Bishop. I do not care about mini Thor. I do not care about Morgan Stark, speed and Wiccan, Eli Bradley. Don't care about any of them. OK, um, and that's nothing against the actors. I think she did a good job. I really do. I think she, she that's she crazy. Well. As we talk about a Scott Lang Ant-Man movie, it just it just comes, <laughs> it just comes to mind. You know, we come to this point where it just seems like all they're trying to do is pass the torch. And it, it just kind of seems like it's the same thing every single time. They're like this child prodigy that just happens to be a genius and comes up with something that only three people in the world of history could it ever is, have done. And then and then they learn how to fight in five minutes and they learn how to use their powers in five minutes. And they it just and it's so dumb. And I'm just I'm just over it. So <laughs> overall, overall, I've had it with that. I, I really they're clearly trying to build up towards a young Avengers thing and I could not care less about that project. I could not. I, I want to move on from the Avengers. It just feels like they're not wanting to let the Avengers go. It's kind of I, what it feels like. I agree with what you're saying, but maybe these are seeds that are getting planted for films that are going to come out 10 years from now. Maybe. Maybe, and maybe I, not. I don't care less about those films, John. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm I, in the same I, boat. I, I don't I really care about could. the Young Avengers, but I well, also didn't care about Guardians of the Galaxy before that movie came out. I also didn't care about. And when I get a character that reaches out and grabs me like Peter Quill, maybe I'll feel the same. But 
I don't. <laughs> That's the problem. This Ant-Man has been, his motivating factor has been his daughter since we were inter- introduced to it. Since yeah. the very first movie, it's his daughter. And you've got the blip with this five-year thing in between and just the passage of time between three Ant-Man movies when you cram in 30 movies into a thing. So his daughter is still his key motivator, but she's going to be in her late teens, early 20s by now. It's just unavoidable due to how long it took to make three movies. Plus, within that timeline, you're skipping five years. So if she's going to be a key motivator, she can't be six or seven anymore where she's just like, a cute kid with no lines. And like, if she's going to be around for this adventure, she needs to bring something to it. She can't just be in peril or not. So now I do understand that not everybody gets to be a super genius. I mean, her dad's not a super genius. So why? (laughs) I mean, I know not every super genius has super genius parents, but it, it is straining. I just took it in my own head canon, right? She thinks she made major contributions to this technology, but remember, she did it with Hank Pym. He was her lab assistant. You know what I'm saying? So, so how much of this breakthrough technology was her, and how much of it was her just handing Hank some tools and say, "Hey, what if we did this?" Maybe she had the idea, but that doesn't mean that you came up with the implementation. She had Hank Pym helping her the whole time. Maybe we could all be super geniuses if we had one of the biggest. <laughs> and to. To be fair, they didn't really sell her as the smartest, youngest prodigy of all time, like in Wakanda Forever with uh, Riri Williams. So, kind of, sort of did. I mean, they kind of didn't do that, but they kind of just like, look what your daughter did. She did the somatomic thingy that nobody could do. I mean, you know, I I don't know, man. I I will say the most annoying part of the whole movie to me was centered around her. It's when they went out of their way to. You know, I don't want to get too political, but they went out of their way to try to to establish her I'm a good liberal bona fides at the beginning of the movie by she was in jail because those evil police tried to break up a homeless encampment in the park. And it's like, can we can we keep our political statements out of our superhero movie? I've been screaming (laughs) that for the longest, man. I, I have been screaming that for the longest. And we didn't get a whole lot of political push in this film, even though there was that off. That was color, it. That was pretty much it. Well, there was film. that off-color yeah. socialist comment towards the end of the film from Hank. Oh yeah, Pam. Hank. Like, I know yeah. socialism is a hard word or something like that. Like yeah, I didn't even catch that, that in the film. I didn't even catch <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, I know it was there because we should all be more like ants. But then, like, all you have to do is think through it. Like, do we really all want to be like ants? <laughs> do we want to be drones? So he's like defeating his own. Yeah, yeah, but it, it, I, I, I was ready to hate the character, Tim, almost as much as you. I, I don't know if I could, <laughs> but I thought they might spend, because it was so early in the film, I thought maybe we'd spend the next two hours establishing her as the wokest of all woke superheroes that ever was woke, but they didn't do that. They walked away from the edge of that. They, they looked over the precipice, and they're like, no. No, okay, we, we've established it, you know, and, and so they I let that go. To get more pushback from the fan base and also from people's pocketbooks. And, you yeah. know, people are tired of being preached at when they go to the movie theater. I know me personally, when I watch a movie, just like when I play a video game or anything along those lines, I just want to turn my brain off and just enjoy the good time. You know, sure, I want some good storytelling in there. But that doesn't yeah. mean I want this director's political opinions crammed into you know my throat hole. I don't want right. 
if I was making a film, I wouldn't cram my political opinions into a film that's supposed to be fun, joyful. Sure, there's going to be some, you know, dip, more difficult themes in some of the superhero films, but at the end of the day, like, you know, you don't have to just Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's my thoughts on that. I enjoyed Hope for the most Oh wait, we're, uh, I'm getting Hope confused with Janet. Janet, I enjoyed. I thought that was kind of neat how they introduced Kang at the beginning of the film and, you know, how she didn't talk about it. They actually took out a deleted scene from the or it's a deleted scene because they took it out of the the second Ant-Man movie where she had mentioned to uh, Hank Pym as soon as they found her in the quantum realm, like, oh, this happened, this happened, this happened. So it's good that they took that out of that uh, second Ant-Man movie. Retconning that made sense for the, the plot here. You know, she didn't talk or say anything about the quantum realm. It was a very traumatic experience for her, and she met Kang. But yeah, I mean, overall, I had a good time with it. Another two, another character while we're on characters, and we'll get off the characters and, and go into our rating for the film, but Modoc. So Modoc seemed to be another divisive figure when it came to the reviews and the fan base. Personally, I didn't have a problem with Modoc. That's only because I'm not a student of the comics like you guys might or might not be. But I thought it was kind of cool how they brought back Darren Cross, put him in there. The special effects looked a little uh, a little weird. I thought they could have done a little bit better with the special effects of his head. I know it's a goofy character and he's got a big old face and a big body, but they were at least they were accurate as far as like how he looks to the comics. But overall, I didn't have a problem with Modoc. I kind of wish that he wouldn't have went the redemptive villain arc towards the end of the film. I mean, here's the thing. As big of a staple as Modoc is to Marvel, I, I I could not have cared less about him in the MCU, so I was okay with it because I, I don't think Modoc is anybody's like favorite villain. You know what I mean? So it's not like it's not like anything that that if we that, that if you did it wrong that it was going to get messed up. Um, the, the thing I was concerned about going in was the villain balance. How was he going to balance with Kang? Were they going to trample over top of each other? Because that is two pretty big villains from the comic books. And at the same time, well, essentially they made him Kang's minion, which worked out relatively well. And I think the storyline made sense. That's one of the big things that's that, that, that always drives me crazy is when the storylines don't really make sense. I think it makes a lot of sense how he ended up as Modoc in the quantum realm of the things that, uh, that there were to be concerned about. That was very low on the list for me. Yeah. yeah I, I enjoyed Modoc. I, I, my name is Darren and I am not a dick. <laughs> one of the funniest <laughs> and how he was like it's good to die an Avenger <laughs> oh yeah so I mean how deep are you pulling on your, on your geek card on your on your, your when you're like how dare they misrepresent MODOK <laughs> how dare they drag the good name of MODOK through the streets he, he is such a top tier <laughs> antagonist you know, I mean, come on. He's a giant head with little baby legs. Was, it was always going to be silly when they adapted it to anything <laughs> live action if they did. So I think, you know, it was as serious as it could be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you and know, they, so they, I enjoyed it. As far as, you know, Darren Cross, when he shrunk down the way that he shrunk down to the quantum realm, it disfigured him. So they came yeah. up with a really good, you know, yeah. reason as to why he was the way he was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoyed him. <laughs> 
So guys, let's get down to the nitty gritty. If you had to rate this film on a scale from zero to 10, zero being awful, unwatchable, and 10 being perfect, where would you rank it? Let's start off with Mr. Dan. I'd give it a solid seven. I'd say seven. Because Two great minds think alike because, Dan, that is exactly where I have it ranked as well. Tim, what do you think? <laughs> I liked it, in, but probably not as much as you guys. I think a lot of the cri critic reviews were just because the quantum realm itself was a little weird and a little confusing to some people. There also were just a few inconsistencies from what we had already learned about the quantum realm. For instance, the way that time passes. We, 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 learned, we learned from Scott in Endgame that it felt like five hours when he was there for five years. Well, well, Janet was there for an actual 30 years. So which was it? You know what I mean? And then the other thing was um, the other thing was the scale of the quantum realm, right? We were told that it's a micro subatomic universe beneath our universe, but which would make it trillions times the size of our universe, right? But it's so easy to navigate and so easy to find each other. And so, so there are things that are very confusing about it. And then when you get there, it's weird. There's the broccoli head guy. There's the goo that they drink. There's, there's all kinds of weird stuff. So I think that's probably what contributed to a lot of the negative reviews is a lot of people don't like weird stuff initially. For us, it, it's no skin off our back to see anything weird. And we, we can suspend reality to understand some of the inconsistencies, even though they do bug me a little bit. I give it a six and a half. And, um, yeah. you know, I, like I said at the beginning, I liked it. I didn't love it. It was good, not great. Still in the bottom, but firmly in the bottom half of the MCU for me. But overall, I liked it. I think it's my favorite Ant-Man film. Ooh. Even better I than the first two. The first one, I'd probably go the first one just slightly above I, this one. But yeah. yeah. I think I, I like the first one. Yeah, yeah, the first one was very close to this one for me. It's funny you guys say that. But yeah, I had a good time with it overall. Yeah, I like heist movies. So I think the, that boops, bumps the first one up for me. Yeah. And it was <laughs> where a team goes to steal. grounded in reality and, you know, a little bit more easy to swallow for the mainstream audience. Yeah. So there's that too. Like, like Tim said, there was a lot of wackiness, a lot of weirdness when we got to the quantum realm. In some places, it felt like a cartoon Pixar movie to me, you know, with the broccoli head, yeah. the guy with the holes, you know, like, I want, I want holes in me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're not going to go much further into that. But <laughs> guys, thank you so much for joining me. Appreciate you very much. And to everyone watching at home, thanks for watching. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe. Check us out on TikTok and Instagram at Real Comic Book Cinema. You can find us on Facebook as well. And don't forget to check us out at patreon.com slash comic book cinema. And if you're into podcasts, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere to find podcasts. We're there. Thanks so much for watching. And until next time, have a great day.